Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders and with me today is Rosie Kay, artistic director and choreographer of her own award-winning contemporary dance company called The Rosie Kay Dance Company. The company is presenting an exciting and intriguing new piece called MK Ultra, which the company will be touring across the UK. In addition to running her own company, Rosie is an academic and was the first choreographer as artist in residence at the Oxford University. She's also a choreographer for films and other site-specific work, so I'm really excited to have Rosie here. Thank you so much for joining us. Great, great. No, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. So, first of all, let's have a chat about your new piece, MK Ultra, which I understand is an explorative piece about the secret but famous Illuminati. Tell us about the Illuminati and where your interest in, in this subject came from. So, the Illuminati is supposedly a kind of secret elite organization that controls uh, the music industry and a lot of mainstream media entertainment. Um, it's a conspiracy theory. Um, and uh, the, the idea that, that I've kind of focused on is that this Illuminati um, use something called MKUltra, which is a brainwashing technique that actually did exist. It was uh, funded by the CIA, uh, and they were trying to look at uh, wiping human memory, but also implanting false memories in brains. And it was it was stopped in the 19, early 1970s. The conspiracy theorists believe that it continued, and actually they teamed up with Disney and they started brainwashing child entertainment prodigies. And so one, one big first example of this is Britney Spears. Wow. Uh, so she was programmed. Uh, she was the perfect pop princess. Um, but the twist is that the programming doesn't work. It starts to falter and their, their brains start to fight back. And the, the, we all get this information that they've got drug problems or addiction problems or they're having a breakdown, but actually they're, they're trying to fight against their handlers. Uh, that's what they're called, the people that kind of control these pop stars. Um, so that's what happened to Britney Spears, and they have to be taken away, reprogrammed, and then they come back very compliant, kind of mute pop stars again. Goodness. So this, it's, it's quite, it's not as unknown as a conspiracy theory. Um, I'd kind of found out about it researching all the conspiracy theories that are out there, actually, I, I started with, 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 with everything and found this and thought, actually, this is this is a really interesting one. Um, so I went out and I, I did a whole series of workshops across the East and West Midlands with um, 14 to 25 year olds. And I, I went to talk about media representation. But this word, the Illuminati, would sort of pop up. And the kids would go crazy talking about it in a, in a school class. Um, so that's when I thought, actually, this is something that is well known. It's quite a widespread conspiracy theory. But lots of us over 25 don't have a, don't have a clue. We might have heard of it, but we don't really realise what, yeah. what the meaning is. I suppose the deeper meaning of, of, of what this Illuminati is supposedly trying to do is they're trying to control us and spread quite dark messages 
that mean that uh, almost like trigger trigger images and tr- trigger symbolism so that they can control us um, subconsciously. That, that's, that's the kind of worrying reason why they're doing it. So they're using mainstream media to brainwash us. Goodness, that so is worrying, isn't it? It is, it is. And, and, and my, my bigger political point with the piece is that maybe we are all a bit brainwashed and maybe, maybe our brainwashing is starting to falter a little bit and we need to kind of wake up and look at what world this is. Um, so, yeah, that's what it's about. Absolutely. And so what can audiences expect to see in the, in the piece MK Ultra? So I want it to be like super slick, glossy. It's taking a lot of that pop video aesthetic and that kind of music award sort of pageantry and sort of poof, kind of in your face, slick and glossy and wow, amazing. And I'm playing with that language. So I'm kind of trying to do something really avant-garde with it, like like take all this kind of twerking, whacking, voguing pop styles and mash that up with a contemporary aesthetic. Um, but with that, we also got incredible set, incredible costumes by Gary Card and video all the way through. And the video almost has its own brainwashing power as well. So it's a huge five meter high triangle wow. in the back of the stage. And um, my husband, Louis Price, is doing these absolutely amazing bonkers videos that go with the dance. But also with that, because... Um, I went and met Adam Curtis, who's this amazing BBC filmmaker, journalist, and he actually really managed to convince me that uh, this story, this story that I'm talking about, is really interesting, and our audience over 25 really need to know about this story, and that it's not just a mad conspiracy theory, it's the fact that a lot of people believe in this as well. So we've got these documentary elements made by Adam Curtis that just help explain basically what I've said to you, but through really beautiful music and imagery and Adam's narration. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will by the end. Yeah, so it sounds like a, a piece that you know, anyone can really you know, come into contact with and learn something new and really experience uh, a performance, but also get a little bit of education at the same time. Well, it, it really has to work on like quite a lot of different levels because there's going to be a lot of people that know exactly what I'm referencing and they'll get it and they'll get the jokes in a way. And there's going to be a lot of people that that's going to go over their head. So I need to kind of explain what some of this stuff, what the symbolism mean is meaning. And then I suppose on the other hand, it's, it's, it's just going to be great dance. It's going to be amazing dancing. <laughs> it's been such a joy to like just go to town with the, with the dancing. I love it. And how did you approach the choreography for the piece? And as you say, this great dancing. So, so this is a, this is a totally bizarre way I've done this. Actually, I always end up have inventing like a new process for every work that I do. Okay. But I, 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 done quite a bit of R and D with dancers, and um, I was setting tasks, and I was getting more and making them watch lots of pop videos, and I'm getting more and more specific. But I wasn't quite getting what I wanted, and it was like I felt it in my own body. I really felt what it is I wanted to to see. So I was started doing some improvisations and filming them, and thought, ah. I do actually, I do know, because I've trained in street and hip hop and break and jazz and pop and, you know, mostly contemporary, but all sorts of other styles as well. Um, And so I actually spent a week in December 
doing like sort of three to four improvisations on very precise themes and timing to specific bits of music. And I picked the best ones and the dancers had to learn them exactly from video. Wow. So, just, so I'm kind of controlling them like the Illuminati. Mm. They've, got to, they've got to do it my way. So there's, it's less creative, but once it was a pretty kind of, heavy first week everyone was sort of attached to laptops and ipods and stuff like with, with headphones learning their steps but once we got over that it's really amazing because the, the material i mean i'm i'm 40 now and i i know what i want and my body's still kind of very usable but i'm i don't really want to perform anymore but when i see it on their bodies they you know it's just fantastic it's really cool and it's interesting actually you know this uh process of you know the young dancers learning via video you know yes which is yes. You know, yeah. quite modern tech isn't it really it is exactly and um, after I spent that week, I just had two two regular dancers that I work with a lot come in to just see how long it takes because I didn't really know. It's like, okay, I've got a one minute solo. How long how long is that going to take to learn? Thinking it would be like you know an hour. There was one section that took us eight hours to learn like this one bit of dance. It was so complicated and fast what I was doing. But um, it, it, it kind of taught me, like, just give it time, just give it time. And actually, all the dancers, seven of them, have just got quicker and quicker and quicker. I can sort of hand them something and they can do things really quickly now. But it is, it is, it is quite difficult to learn that skill. But actually, I found out from a military friend that... Um, that that's that's one of the what's one of the skills they they have for um like high level kind of spies is that they have to do a lot of video work for recognition and for drone and i was kind of like whoa yeah this is a bit modern modern way of learning stuff isn't it i'm sure they would have found a really interesting experience from the dancer's perspective as well that would have just been quite uh, exciting for them in some ways well and, and i made it made it really clear in the audition they actually had to learn something when it got to the very final round of the auditions from video. So it was like, this is what you're going to be doing in the show to learn the show. So, so it wasn't like they kind of came in expecting to improvise for a week. It was like, no, no, you're going to come in and learn stuff for a week. But then once they've learned it and they really own it, then it becomes really creative, actually. So it's, 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 also, it's, it's very much an opposite way around of, to what I, how I normally make work, but they, they really own it. It's really interesting, actually. And... You say this is quite a new process for you, or an inverted process almost. How would you normally describe your choreographic language and your your approach? So I'm I'm kind of not someone that just makes a a style in terms of the the steps. I'm quite interested in like finding the right language for the idea. So so I feel like my job is is is, is to generate really interesting ideas through dance um, and then I find a process and a way for that then to achieve my vision um, so it's funny enough like MK Ultra is part of a trilogy it's the final part and the first part was Five Soldiers which I made with a you know huge amount of field research with military experts with really learning what soldiers do and then pulling that into the world of dance so a lot of that was made through taking real set military manoeuvres and then finding ways to turn that into dance. And then the second part of the trilogy was um, There Is Hope, and that was about religion and belief. And that was entirely made from improvisations. We, we literally did spend two weeks improvising nonstop, and through that I constructed the dance, and thing, things became set by the end, but it all came from improvisation. And then this is actually 
you know, quite really the, the sort of exact opposite. I've created all of it and then they have to learn it. And then, and then I devise a story from that through the material. So, um, I, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's always thoroughly researched mm-hmm. and then it always ends up being really physical and visceral. And I try and make work that kind of, I mean, it's, it's emotive, it's emotional, and it kind of hits you in the, in the gut. That's, what, that's the kind of work I want to make. And the subjects that you seem to have chosen for this particular trilogy, they're quite deep. They're quite intense subject matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, why, why, why not? I mean, you know, I want to ask the big questions and, and put my interpretation on the world. I mean, it's really important. I, I don't want to be an autobiographical artist that's just looking at myself. I mean, I'm looking at the world and I'm trying to make sense of it all the time. And I'm reading philosophy and I'm reading my history and I'm trying to think what you know what an artist should be doing now is really questioning the world and and making other people really use their brains so yeah that's what I want to do and it's a really interesting time actually in the world for 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 one to be asking themselves you know what do we think about what's going on around us the world is changing so fast in in a way in which I think we haven't recognized for such a long time and it's amazing yeah I've been researching this stuff since oh I was pregnant so it must be 2013 and I've been talking to people and everyone's thought I'm completely bonkers <laughs> and now of course of fake news alternative facts yes what Trump how Trump's been using conspiracy theory I'm like yeah I knew I knew this was coming I knew this was coming and it's so important for art and you know particularly for dance to respond and to address and to challenge uh what's Listen, going it's, on it's, it's what's getting- it's harder and harder out there. Like, how you know, how do we get audiences? How do we uh, make ourselves relevant? You know, um, everyone's busy. Everyone's sort of stressed. Everyone's got these austerity measures. You know, we have we we do in this country. We're so lucky in the UK to get a bit of public subsidy. Like, we have to really prove why we're here and what we're doing and and that it has worth and meaning and value that's not of just an economic kind so so i feel like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to really fight to 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 prove what we do is is important and what inspired you uh to set up your own dance company in the first place what was the initial inspiration oh well i suppose it goes back to when I, I was a dancer uh, professionally, but I started making work in my in my first year out of college, uh, make, making my own. I made a solo show actually, and um, I, I I enjoyed being a dancer. And I needed to be a dancer; it was important to me. But but I was always I knew I was a choreographer. I just it just took me quite a while to admit mm-hmm. it to myself because okay. once you admit to what you really really want to do, you know you could fail at it. So it, it took me quite a few, it was about six years of, of working professionally as a dancer, as a performer for other people and making my own solo work before I, I mean, I really needed to set it up in order to um, start applying for, for bigger grants. As soon as you want to work with more than just yourself or with one or two other people, um, you can apply for larger grants. And so I wanted to put a level of protection around that. So it was, it was at that point, it was very practical. And then I sort of, Grew into the grew into it really. It almost seemed a, quite audacious at first to call myself a company, but um, I, I, I had to, I, I needed to do it to almost to say to the world 
you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm taking this really seriously. And as a female artistic director and choreographer, how important do you think it is that women are represented in the creation and the management of new work and new companies? Well, it's just really sort of disappointing that it isn't automatic, you know, people people are still having to be really pointed out to them that, that their, their, their programming is, is gender biased. I mean, it really does have to be pointed out to people still. It's almost like everyone thought the battle was won, stopped, kept their eye, you know, took their eye off the ball. And actually, the, the, the forces of patriarchy and misogyny are, are so deeply woven and embedded in society that if we don't make really concerted effort, it seems like it just falls back again so I just find it disappointing because I grew up with a lot of female role models in dance and found it you know I just didn't expect it really in in my generation to be facing such a backlash I suppose it's kind of a sort of post-feminist backlash and we we, you know to to sort of say oh women women make choices and women have babies and women aren't ambitious and that's just we just know that's rubbish the evidence does not back that up whatsoever whatsoever um so so you know I, I go out now and publicly say i am ambitious and i want to get on the big scale and i am overlooked i have been overlooked um i don't get recognized as, as women haven't been recognized as early in their careers as men that's 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 fact and they've done the research tonic theater have done some really good stuff so come on everyone change it yeah absolutely i mean it's interesting because Obviously, dance is you know, perceived and is you know, mostly populated with women. You know, we you know, particularly in the classical um, dance world, where you've got more female dancers and just in general more female dancers um, than male dancers, and yet there are so many companies that are headed up by men um, and who create the who create narrative and create ballets and create dance and. And it's so great to see a female at the helm of her own dance company. And it would be great to see more women and the female narrative um, being performed. And I think it's really important. But, but it kind of drives me mad as well a little bit because, um, you know, so, someone once sort of said to me, well, why, why are you looking at soldiering and wars? You know, we kind of, why don't you just do it from your own perspective? And it's like, actually, you wouldn't say that to a man. A man is allowed to make art about the world. That's it. A woman somehow always has to make art about being a woman. I mean, no, I want to make art about the world. I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, we have views on every you know element of the world every piece of society we don't necessarily just have this feminine viewpoint about feminine issues that's right that's right it's pretty patronizing i think yeah. and, 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 I, and i feel like i've certainly proven it with five soldiers i mean we're now doing um edinburgh festival with the army so we're helping them curate and program a small festival program with five soldiers, with some funding from the army and LIBOR. And it's like, you know, we're not just making a work, but when part, you know, the army are taking us seriously and taking my work that seriously. So it kind of feels, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, due recognition and it is great work. And as you say, it's, so, it's based on a lot of research and a very academic approach. And so I think it is, 
only right that the work is is taken seriously. I mean, apart from you know this particular trilogy, what other projects that you've had in your career have been real highlights to you so far? Uh, I've got a big soft spot for the work Double Points K that I made. Uh, it's a reinterpretation of Emio Greco's seminal work Double Points Two, um, because I was sort of challenging myself both as a dancer and as a choreographer. I danced that work uh, for quite quite a lot of years, and, and just now Shelley Ever Hayden has, has taken my role. Um, but that was that was about making a piece that was abstract no narrative, just pure dance, music, but I wanted to get some kind of like really strong emotional response from the audience using those tools. Um, and, and, and actually it was so beautiful teaching Shelley. I mean, it was tough. Such, I didn't realize what a difficult, impossibly difficult piece it is technically. There's loads and loads of like multiple turns backwards on the left going around someone in the dark and all this kind of stuff. Um, but but watching it, sitting in an auditorium and watching it, watching something that I made maybe nearly 10 years ago, but I've never sat and watched, was a really amazing experience. So I, I love that piece. But I, I, I do enjoy the site-specific works that I've made, things like The Great Train Dance and Hain and Dreaming. I mean, I really, really love education work. I love working with young people and training young people and giving them an opportunity to work and dance alongside professionals because I know for me that was some of the most inspiring stuff I did as a, as a child was, was work with adults, adult professionals. So, you know, I, I like making these big projects that feel, feel really good to do and really exciting to be part of. And what has been some of the most challenging elements of being an artistic director? I suppose the uh, the vagaries of the of, of funding and fun, you know the insecurity of financial yeah. life. You know, there's this kind of you, you really go down a different path than your other friends that have jobs <laughs> and salaries and holidays and pension. And I've probably sacrificed a lot of uh, other parts of my life in order to pursue this. Um, I'm lucky enough to be married to another artist, so we're both... So we understand. <laughs> exactly. And we, and we, I think we're just getting to the point where we feel like we're, we're making this work. But there's certainly been some scary points. Actually being pregnant and, and having a baby was a super, super scary point, and it, and it was... It did feel like actually, if I if I don't manage to get this back together, there is no job to go back to. So, um, much as I wanted to take more time off and be with my baby, actually I had to just work up to the birth and start back quite soon. So that that was actually genuinely, you know, every I think every woman feels like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to do it differently. But actually, it's it was super hard, and I, you know really shout out to all the female artists that are managing to, to hold together careers and children because I just know it's, oh, it's hard. Yes, I can absolutely imagine. And so what do you love the most about your job? You know, despite all the challenges, um, you say, what do you love the most? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I suppose from the, from the research side, I absolutely love stepping into other worlds. I really love it. And I really love watching and observing and understanding, you know, things like anthropology or the army or, or, or even conspiracy theory, like just going deep, 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 that, that's so pleasurable. I mean, I love, I love having, you know, being able to use my imagination like all the time. That's really brilliant. But I'd say like my favorite, one of my favorite bits is, is in this studio 
where you, you've kind of gone through a bit of a tricky phase just to get everyone on your side and then your team and up to kind of speed. But where you first get this flicker of the vision coming to life with the dancers, that's that's amazing. And it feels normally it's just you. There's no one there. There's not that. It's not like a sharing or anything. But it's just when you feel it in the studio, and it feels such a privilege to to have that to to be making creating art from from nothing is just a privilege. And going forward, what is your vision for the Rosie K Dance Company? Well, we are our plans to make uh, like a big work every second year. So that gives me time to research it. And in between time, we make a slightly smaller scale sort of uh, single work or double bill or something. So um, I'm I spent a lot of time in the past two years putting a big business plan together for the next five to ten years. And I really did was honest with myself and said, what do I want to do? And I want to create, I want to make work, and I want to be moving into the mid-scale and large-scale. Uh, but uh, I don't want to forget the small-scale because that's a really interesting place to try ideas out and, and, and experiment as a choreographer as well. So um, I've got quite a few new ideas lined up and quite a few I'm already researching and then some of the ones that I'm kind of I think I want to do but I'm still a little bit scared off and I'll wait and see how they how they happen so I'm yeah I'm kind of reading and taking things in at the same time as sort of pursuing the work that I'm, I'm doing at the moment. And what is it about those pieces that scares you? Those projects? Oh it's like a kind of little test for me if, if it if it really scares me, it normally it means it's it's the good idea. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I try and go towards my fear. I try and go towards it um, and see where it where it takes me. Um, so, yeah. But this this particular idea, I I, I have absolutely no idea, no idea how I tackle it. But um, yeah. Yeah. And where did you go after the army? You know, where did you go after war? <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm kind of looking, looking more internally, actually. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, finally, um, as a successful female artistic director, and don't you hate having to put that female bit first, but what advice would you give to other young women who would aspire to become an artistic director and run their own company what advice would you give to others do you, do you know i mean one bit of advice I, I i can't remember who said this to me or if i read it or something but that you can only be an interesting artist if you've had a bit of an interesting life and i would say don't be in too much of a rush to begin with because like i want to be in a long game with this um, but I really spent some time, I mean, actually literally scaring myself, traveling, working abroad. I ran a wine business briefly for a bit. Like I wow. really did stuff and I, and I lived and I traveled and I learned different languages and I watched and saw, and I kind of had to find out who I was a bit by challenging myself. And I'd say really take care of that aspect because that gives you much more to talk about as an artist in your work than if you're just straight out of dance school and straight into making work. Like, make work, but but take time to invest in yourself. You, it's not just you're not just a tool to for your dance or for your choreography. 
it's a rich, rich world out there and you want to make yourself as rich and as varied as possible as well. So challenge the way you see the world, challenge your prejudices, challenge your perception of of things and um, go out there and explore before you're ready to, you know, you may know that you want to be an artist or a choreographer or a director, whatever, but take time to invest in yourself first. Well, Rosie, that's fantastic advice. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully be able to catch MK Ultra on the UK tour. And I wish that you and the company the best of luck with the, the tour. For those people listening, um, you can get your tickets to see this exciting show at mkultra.dance. Um, and you can check out more about Rosie K Dance Company on the website rosiek.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining us, Rosie. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.